0: nice job Rex job Tim buzz already took off there okay hey I hope you have been enjoying this summer of we have been going through some of the greatest movie classics of all time uh, last week we were in the movie uh, back to the future and we were reminded by Marty that our past present and future sins are forgiven in Christ isn't that amazing that we don't have to worry about the past and and our futures have been made new in Christ. Uh, Two weeks ago, we we studied uh, God's word and what the sand lot brought to us and Benny and his friends remind us we all needed a Benny. That buddy that's gonna stick closer than even a brother. And when you're down, when you're having problems, when your ball is lost, um, you have a friend you can trust. What I realized at the beginning of the spring when I was trying to identify these movies, we were gonna look into God's word to find the truth to apply to our lives I was attracted again and again to the movies that had a core of friendship. Friendship and celebrating friendships and and knowing uh, the friends we can trust is so powerful. Toy Story is no different. Each of the four Toy Story movies so far that have been made have highlighted the blessing of a friend. How many of you have ever seen any of the Toy Story movies, even just a little bit of one? Most of you, it's not a surprise. Uh, They have grossed more than $3.5 billion, that's with a B, in the box office. Uh, They they estimate the franchise Toy Story is now worth around $13 billion with all the merchandise and the songs and the movies. Man, it's, it's a big deal. When Toy Story 1 came out, uh, this is going to date all of us a little bit, I was graduating high school back in 1995, and I was an adult, you know, I was 18-year-old, graduating high school, and I told my uh, parents and my brother and some of my friends they want to go see the movie, I'm like, I'm not going to see that kid's movie. And they said, but it's Pixar, it's a new uh, way they make cartoons, you're really going to like it, it's not just for kids. And I was like, I'm too old for that. By the end of summer, it was one of my favorite movies of all time, you know, it's a, it's a great movie. If you've not seen it, man, grab a child and go back to your childhood and just be encouraged in so many ways. It's based around a character named Woody. Uh, We saw Woody up on stage. Griff did a great job portraying Woody. But Woody is this good old uh, school cowboy that is kind of the old type of um, toy that didn't have electronics, was kind of flimsy, and you pulled the string, he would say things like, there's a snake in my boot, you know? And you pulled again, he would say something else. And his owner was Andy. And Andy had marked him and identified him as his toy. And Andy loved to play with Woody. And it was a big deal in the movies. What's interesting, if you've seen the film, when Andy walks out of his bedroom, the toys come to life. Isn't that cool to think about? It's one of the uh, more romantic things of the whole uh, series, that these toys have personalities, they have life. I wonder how well you know the the friends of Toy Story, the, the toys, You probably know some of the things they do, some of the things they say. Uh, You could see Buzz had this laser that was on his arm, and I couldn't afford the the Buzz with wings, okay? It wasn't in the budget, so. But but Buzz did all these cool things. I mean, you could see all these toys. I wonder how well you know them and the things they say. We're going to play a little game, and I need your help. Uh, We're going to listen to a clip from the movie, and you're going to try, okay, who... Which toy uh, said these words? And after that, we're going to kind of guess together on the count of three. So listen to this first clip and see if you can tell which toy said these these words. Who said that on the count of three? One, two, three. Woody. Woody, You guys are right there with me. Uh, Woody is always trying to teach the toys what they're doing and what they're supposed to do. And when Buzz shows up, he goes, you are a toy. What about this clip? See if you can guess this one. Mm. One, two, three. The army man, you are a little less confident about that. Uh, the green guys. But what a great line. We're not going to leave a soldier behind. I hope that's true of your family in this church, that when someone's down, we go back to make sure we pick them up and bring them along. Right, listen to this third one. One, two, three. Yeah, Rex. Uh, I found it interesting. Hudson did a great job. Uh, I told Hudson you wouldn't be able to see who he was, and to my surprise, you could see right in and see his face. Thanks, Hudson, for for doing that today. He's like, great. Everybody knows I'm the big dinosaur. In the movie, Rex is the biggest, maybe the most powerful, yet he's got problems, confidence problems and fear problems. Maybe you're like that. What, What about this fourth clip? Listen to this. One, two, three. Aliens, Martians, I don't know what you call the guys. I did some research, I'm still not sure. (laughs) But that was a clip where he's getting pulled up out of the, like the arcade crane game. And he's like, I'm going to a better place. Don't we all look forward to a better place in this world? Hey, I didn't say this first service, just came to me. When you feel like you don't fit in, you're an alien, it's okay. We're not meant for this world, are we? We're meant for something better. We're going to find out about that today. While we need to make the most of while we're here, the, the Bible says we're really aliens as foreigners in this world because we belong to another world. Here's this last clip. You've done really well so far. I think you can get this one, but it's a little more complicated. There's two characters in the same clip. Listen to this. So the first one, on the count of three, I want you to yell out who said we're falling with style. One, two, three. Buzz. Buzz. And then another character said Buzz's line. Who was that? Who was it? Woody. Woody. You guys got it. What's interesting, I think that's the pinnacle um, dialogue of the movie, or at least even the series. You got these two friends that, based on adversity, and initially not even really liking each other very much or being rivals, all of a sudden they're closer than brothers because their circumstance brought them together and they protected each other. From the start, Woody and Buzz were rivals, but then they're great friends. Think about your friends for a moment. I mean, really, stop and think about them. Who are your friends? Those people you spend time in, those people you invest If I were to ask you about your friends, and and we were to place some clips of what they say that are kind of famous or most regularly heard from uh, you as their friend, what would you say makes them famous? What's what's a clip you would be able to recall? Uh, At least one you could share with at church, all right? I mean, what do your friends say? What do they tell you? Are they building you up, or are they more of a burr in your saddle, we, we need to be careful who our friends are. Friends are so important. I live, I've lived long enough to know that a good friend can make your day. I've also lived long enough and seen enough people in and around the church in my own life. A bad friend, the wrong friend, can really ruin a lot. It can hurt. In fact, I would say this. It's not original thought, but, but this is so true. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you list your friends and who you're hanging out with, who you're investing in, I can tell you where you're going in life 90% of the time. This is so important for our students here today. As you're getting ready to go back to school, you've maybe had a reset of your friends a little bit. Be very careful who are your most intimate friends. It goes for you teachers, too. It goes for all of us whether we're 18 starting our senior year or or we're a senior about ready to look to that better hope. Be very careful who your future uh, is being molded by. Show me the time you spend with your friends and who you trust, and I'll show you the trajectory of your life. God wants you to be blessed, so be careful who your closest friends are. Uh, The Bible says this in Proverbs 13, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Raise your hand if you've never lived that second part. You've never associated with a fool or a phony and stayed out of trouble. Anybody? Never done that. Raise your hand if you've ever been around a fool and you all of a sudden knew you were in a fix. Raise your hand. It happens. Be very careful. Let the scripture ring true, especially as we start this new school year, that that you bring uh, your trusted friends very, choose them very wisely and carefully. The friends you invest in affect your future. So let me ask you again, who are your closest friends? If you had to list three, who are they? They can't be your spouse. Let's also say this, they're not allowed to be your parents right now, your grandparents. These are truly friends you've made. They can be cousins, but they can't be in your immediate family. Who are the three closest people to your life? There are some sociologists that have said this over the years. You become the average of your closest friends. Whether it's three or five, you may only have two, then you're the average of those two. You're the average of your closest friends. So how do you feel about that truth? If if that were true, how do you feel about, I'm becoming like my friends? Are they making you better financially? Because I know a lot of friends that don't. Not personally, but I've seen it happen, okay? Are they making you better emotionally? Because the friends can wreck a day. Are they making you better morally and and the things they're tempting you to do or, or, or walking with you and doing? And here's the most important, are they making you better spiritually? Are the people you're investing in and spending time with and trusting, are they making you more like Jesus? Remember that last song we just sang, I just want to be like Jesus? Your friends and who you walk with in life are a big part of that. Look what it says in Proverbs 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born in a time of adversity. I think that's one reason I love the Toy Story movie so much. Buzz and Woody go from enemies and adversaries to the best of friends, and I think, I think of them almost as brothers because of what they went through. Remember when uh, Buzz first showed up? Woody wanted nothing to do with him. Watch this clip. I wonder how you feel like that sometimes. All of a sudden there's this new friend around and you can't hardly stomach it, a word they say. And, and the more they talk, the more you roll your eyes and you try to do it at least in your own head instead of out where everyone can see. It, it's true, we've got to be very careful who our closest friends are. You know, those uh, two or three people that you trust and you spend most of your time with, uh, I, I don't want you to miss this. That, that really matters, it affects your future. But when new people show up and they're different and they're a little bit annoying and they're maybe threatening to you, How do you treat those people? Sure, they may not be your closest friends right off the bat, but God would tell us that they are valuable and we need to treat them with the care and love that he would. I wonder how often do we treat people like Woody when he first met Buzz? And we push them away. We dismiss them. That's not like Jesus at all. How often when people show up at church and, and maybe they're from a different background or, or maybe they vote differently than you do on, on things that you think really matter or, or, or maybe they have a different economical uh, economic past or maybe they have a different um, vision for the future and you're like, I do not want to be around that person and you push them to the side. Or maybe even in your own life. When's the last time you invited anyone in to invest in to share that's different than you? You're like, well... I would rather not. I mean, it's dangerous. No, that's what God calls us to do. God calls us to invest in those that he loves. And you know who he loves? Everyone. And that's our mission. Love God, love people, and serve all. As you leave today, maybe go out in the parking lot, it's it's there on the wall in the commons. It's just not something we put on the wall. We believe it because it's in his word. We're to love God with all of our heart. We're, We're to love people because he values them, and we're to serve all because people are valuable. You know how valuable they are? It says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Notice this. It doesn't say uh, only the toys made from Mattel. No. It, it doesn't say only the people that, that grew up uh, around Pocahontas. It, it doesn't say just the people with the last name Smith. It says God uh, so loved the world, the people that are different than you, the people that uh, you can't hardly stand to be around because He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God calls us to be open to and invest in and show his love to all people. It can be hard to comprehend. It was for Woody at first. What's going on? I'm the leader of Andy's room. All of a sudden this guy's there, he can't hardly stomach. I wonder who right now is in your life you can't stomach. Don't elbow them if they're sitting close to you right now. But who is in your life that you can't stand? I want you to know and be reminded, Jesus Christ died for their sins just like he died for your sins. And this is a wake-up call. You are no more or no less valuable to God than anyone or everyone else. When God claims us, we're in his family forever. When God claims us and we receive him, we talked about this last week, when you realize you're a sinner... And you admit that. You you repent of those sins and turn towards God. You confess Him as your Lord. You're believing that He has the power to save. And and, and you give your life to Him. He changes your life forever. And we're family, no matter our background, no matter where we're from, even no matter where our vision thinks we're headed, we're in this together. What a moment it is when you realize you belong. Watch this clip as Buzz realizes he's a part of the family. Scene. It seems simple and short. But Buzz realized, hey, your leader has accepted me into your culture. I'm in the family. See, it's on my foot. His name's there. He's he says I belong to him. And Woody, who's always had this place of honor, this place of prestige as as being Andy's uh toy leader, has now got competition, it seems. But I don't want you to miss this. When you realize you belong to God, it changes things forever. When, when you realize Christ has forgiven you of your sins, you have a hope that changes everything and cannot be taken away because you belong to him. Remember last week we talked about the Apostle Paul who used to be uh, Saul who tortured Christians, who, who uh, convicted and, and sentenced some of them to death. Paul says, I used to be Saul and Christ changed me. Here's what he says in Philippians 3. Christ Jesus has, has made me his own. If you belong to Christ, if you've been made new in him, you are his. These words could be you. You could put your name in. Christ Jesus has made me, Tyson Graber, his own. He has made me, Sue, uh, Sam, whatever your name is, uh, you can declare this with confidence. In Christ, you belong to God forever. Revelation puts it this way. It's a book that sometimes we're a little scared of because it talks a lot about the future. But I don't think we have to be scared of it all because what, what all it says is from God's heart is love. In Revelation chapter 22, a verse you may have never heard about, it actually says God, uh, in a much more perfect and uh, uh, complete way, he takes us and writes his name on us and says, you are mine. You know when this happens, it doesn't happen uh, this time on earth. The Bible says it's going to happen when Christ returns and makes everything new. Look what the word of God says in Revelation chapter 22. No longer will there be any curse upon anything. So he says, this is the time frame. Christ has returned. Satan has been bound to hell and put there forever. And Jesus is coming to the earth and making everything new. There's no more curse, no more sickness, no more pain, no more crying. Everything is new. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there in this new heaven on earth. And his servants will worship him. That's us. And they will see his face. I mean, that that blows your mind right there to see God's face and his name will be written on their foreheads. Push pause there for a second. God's name, when Jesus comes back and make everything new, somehow he is going to write his name on our foreheads. That seems a little strange, but it's a beautiful thing. When we see each other on the other side of eternity, uh, to, uh, on the beyond, we are going to look at each other, we're going to know each other, but what we're going to see is God has bought us with the blood of Jesus. We're his. If you've never heard that, look forward to that day where you will forever be claimed as gods. Look what it says next. And there will be no more night there. No need for a lamp or the sun or AA batteries. I don't know if you caught that in the movie. Or or the Lord will shine on them. For the Lord will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. To infinity and beyond. We're going to be with God. He's going to say "We're, we're his. I think this day is fast approaching. You're like, Tyson, you said that about two years ago when the world really changed. I really believe that it's very possible that my children's generation will see Jesus return. It could even happen tomorrow. But when that happens and he makes everything new and there's no more curse, no more sin, no more evil, he's going to write his name and he's going to say, you're mine. And when we can have confidence in that, then we can have confidence in that now because the word of God says... That if you've given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And that's another sign that we're his. That we're his treasure. That's the key word moving forward. When God looks at you, if you've accepted his son as your savior, he sees you as his treasure. Because he paid a high price for you. His his blood of his own son. So you're his treasure. I wonder if you look at yourself as a treasure. Because we're tempted to see ourselves as trash or at least messed up to the point where we can't be repaired. In, in Toy Story 4, and I talked to some young girls uh, even this morning, some young ladies, they're like, hey, our, our favorite character is Forky. I, I was like, man, I'm not even sure who. Oh, and then I remembered, yeah, Forky is that spork. You might remember uh, the Forky, the spork in the Toy Story 4? Uh, Forky had a dilemma because even though he was made by his owner, he saw him, he still saw himself as trash. I wonder if you ever do that. Watch, watch this clip. Woody carries a big load, sometimes explaining life to the other toys. But did you catch, I think, Forky's most providential line? Hey, look at what Forky says here. I am not a toy. Similar to what Woody said to Buzz. He, uh, he says, I'm not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. I don't prefer to use a sport for anything. But Forky says, soup and salad, you know, those on-the-go things, maybe chili, and then the trash. I wonder if you've ever said those words. Probably not those exact words, that you were made for soup and salad, maybe chili in the trash, but I wonder if you've ever so thought deep down in your heart that you really didn't have value that you do have, and maybe the lives of this world finally got to you, and you're like, I'm not made for much, I'm a mess. It probably come out a little bit more like this instead of that. You, you, too often our words lead us to think things like this, especially if you head back to school, maybe you uh, seniors in high school. Any seniors in the room going to be seniors? Okay, a couple. Here's what you're tempted to think. I'm just made to go to school after, year after year after year to get this degree, to do this, to take this test. Uh, and then I'm going to get a job and I am work about 40 years. I'm going to have about two uh, months of retirement and then the grave. If you're over 40, does it ever feel like that's what you're meant for? I had a few people say yes. Yeah. If we're not careful, we could give into the, the lives of the world saying, I got school, work, a little bit of retirement, and if we're lucky, then I just get to rest in the grave. That is a lie from hell because you are treasured and you are meant for so much more. Amen? You are not meant to, to, to work and, and toil and have strife and then die and be over. That is not truth. You are meant to live. Jesus says, I want to give you life and life to the abundant. But Forky's lie makes it into our hearts. It's from Satan, though. Whenever you are considering yourself as less than or a loser, it is a lie straight from the lake of fire. You are a treasured, valuable prize that God has made. Most of us so at one point or another uh, get beat up and we start to think, well, we're, we're not really a treasure. Uh, we hear words from a bully or a bad guy and they hurt. And we can expect that in life. But then what's worse is sometimes we hear words from a friend that be, bring us down. And, and that doesn't feel right. And we, we sometimes hear words, and I'm sorry if this happened to you uh, from a family member, maybe even a father. And you're like, man, I just feel beat up or, or worse yet. You come to church, the family of God, and somebody puts you down there. That is wrong. And we start thinking, I'm not very valuable. I'm not, I'm not a treasure. And over the time, our own voice and the voice of evil spirits in our world will tell you, you don't matter. You don't want to anything. And you're like, well, I'd be better off dead. That is not true. You are valuable and a treasure. And you've got to push back against those voices. No matter if they're from your own heart, a friend, or this evil world. Because a- after a time, you can feel depressed and overwhelmed. If you're currently filled with some type of feeling like that, push back against it and say, no, I'm valued because Christ died for me today. It happened to Saul. Not Saul of the New Testament, but Saul of the Old Testament. Uh, Saul that I'm talking about here, we, we see in 1 Samuel. Uh, He was the king of God's people and he was a a good leader, a strong man, uh, attractive. He had power. uh, He had a great military mind. And this guy was a leader of leaders. But then he started thinking that his leadership was the most important thing to God's kingdom He thought his ability to do the things he was supposed to do to show his value was all based on his own power and talents. And he ended up uh, doing things when he was dissatisfied with the way things were going. He took the responsibility uh, of the prophet and and the priest at times, and God says, hey, you disobeyed? And what God did, he says, I'm going to take my spirit from you, Saul, and I'm just going to let you see how much you can do on your own. And the Bible says, and it's complicated, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, that when God's spirit left Saul, an evil spirit fell upon him and he was tortured. The New Living Translation says that he became fearful and depressed. And that primarily came from him trying to do everything and realizing he had failed and he no longer could hold on to it and his world unraveled. He was overwhelmed. He was facing uh, uh, the the great anxiety that many of us uh, sometimes hit in life. Saul was so full of depression and fear, he began to wonder if his life was worth anything. So he called for help. He needed help. He asked his people to bring someone in just to play soothing music for him. So they found a guy that you probably know. His name's David. This is the David that, that would later become king. This is the David that killed Goliath and also took care of his dad's sheep and killed a lion and a bear with just a sling. This was David, the man, he was handsome, he was uh, smart, He, he could play the harp, he could sing, and he came into Saul's court, and he played the harp, and the Bible says that it soothed Saul. Look what the Word of God says in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Whenever the tormenting spirit of God troubled Saul, I mean, that's complicated. Saul was troubled. David would play the harp, then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. David would play this harp in a beautiful way and it would soothe Saul. I don't believe it was because David was such a great musician. I mean, that was part of it. He played beautiful music. He could sing, amazing. He he could dance. I mean, David could do it all. I believe the reason Saul was soothed by David was because the spirit of the living God was already in David. and, And Saul knew what that spirit felt like. And when David was around, he felt that peace and that joy. The reason why David had already been ordained or set apart to be the next king by the prophet Samuel, he poured oil on him, and the family witnessed this, and he would be king one day. But right now, he's waiting to be king, and now he's serving the king. And his uh, spirit of God living in him was soothing to this king who was struggling. Maybe you're here this morning. You're like, "That's me. I'm Saul. Uh-uh. I'm tormented. I have I have depression in my life. I have fear all over me. I'm a lot like Rex, always worried about the future." I want you to know I can't play the harp to make that go away today. You don't want me to try to sing. But I do know the spirit of living God and how he can ease your pain. I want to share uh, the message of God's word today and how the Holy Spirit can give you hope in a future that that is beyond what we usually think about. Here's what's interesting. In Zephaniah 3, verse 17, there's this really unique passage that says that God sings over you. God, because of his love for you, says, I rejoice in you being a treasure and I'm gonna sing over you uh, to ease your mind, to give you peace. Look what it says in Zephaniah chapter three. The Lord your God is in your midst. Just pause right there for a second. If you're a believer, if you have repented, if you have confessed Jesus as your savior, if you have uh, believed in him and you have been baptized, he is in you through the Holy Spirit. He is in your midst, Amen. So you're not alone, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. What God does, and he sees you as his pride possession, he just celebrates. He's like, "I'm happy that they're in the family. They're so valuable." He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Here's the part that is the most unique for our minds to think. When God sees you up in heaven and he sees how beautiful and wonderfully you're made and you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you belong to him, he says he just sings over you. He rejoices. He just can't help but singing. Even sometimes when you're a bad singer and and, and you're just so happy, everything's so good, you just can't help but sing. God is sitting in heaven. He can't help but sing when he sees you. Those he saved through Jesus. God has placed so much value on you. He, he serenades you with songs. How many of you ever serenaded anyone? Raise your hand with confidence. Love some of these guys. Yep, that's I've serenaded my wife. Yeah, or maybe a girlfriend here. They're not quite old enough to be married, but you serenaded already. I want you to know my first moment of serenading the woman I loved hap- back happened in nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, I knew she was the, the woman for me, first love of my life. I went uh, down a valley and up a hill with 10 of my 10-year-old friends at church camp and began to sing to her. Okay? I mean, just let it out. Uh, my, our, my friends and I, we selected a song. It was the, the hit song of that, that, that summer. Uh, it was the song that was to sure to get the girl. It was from the Righteous Brothers and the, and the uh, hit movie Top Gun, which we're going to cover in two weeks here, so don't miss that. And we started belting out you've lost that love and feeling okay I'll stop there you know what the girls did they did the same thing you did they started laughing they were 10 11 you know maybe I was going for an older girl she may have been 12 I don't know They started laughing, and our dorms dads noticed we were out of the dorm about midnight. They started yelling. We ran back to the dorm and got in bed, and we were in trouble. And I will admit to you, that girl that had my eyes on, I didn't even talk to her the rest of the week. That totally backfired, all right? I lost that girl. I guarantee sometimes when we sing over people, it doesn't work, but when God sings over you, it does. When you hear him, it, it makes a difference. We, we sing over the people that we value. God values you. Sometimes when we sing over people, we have less, uh, less if, oh, we have less success if we're like musically challenged or tonally deaf. But sometimes us guys who really can't sing we', we try it anyways, because we love someone so much. I, I sang over another girl in 1999, a few years later. Her name was Tiffany. You might know her. and um, I was a youth ministry intern in Streeter, Illinois, and I took a group of junior hires to um, Six Flags in Gurney because that's where we were closer to. And we were at Six Flags there, and I spent two days in a row, one day with the junior hires and one day with the high schoolers back-to-back, which is a wild ride, go to Six Flags two times in, in a row. And so I was there. On the second day I was there, I, I, my mind was really drawn to this place where you could go in and record a song. You went to the studio, they played like the karaoke split track, and they recorded your voice and put it on top of the other one, and you would have this recording. And I did that for like $50, which is a lot of money back in 1999, right? And I chose to do, I crossed my heart by the King George Strait, and it declared my love for Tiffany. And at the end of it, I even gave her a little message, and then it was this little cassette, and it said, I crossed my heart, and I took it back to Streeter, and I never really told her I loved her at this point, but I gave her this cassette, and I said, hey, listen to this in private, and just hear my thoughts for you. And I think she did what those girls did uh, years before. I think she probably laughed. (laughs) But when you love something, and you know it's precious, you're, you're willing to sing over it, aren't you? How many of you sung over a child? A baby, an infant, yeah. How many of you sung over someone as they passed and your heart breaks because they're no longer with you and you sing a song, you're just, you're just, sometimes it helps with emotions. I was willing to sing over Tiffany and lay it on the line. I want to just pause here for a second and I'm so thankful that yesterday we celebrated 23 years of marriage together and I praise God for Tiffany all the time. <laughs> But when something has value, you're willing to sing over it. God sings over you. I I tell you all that to know that God sees you, and he's got a great voice. He's got everything going for him, and and he says, I see you, and I sing over you to rejoice. He says, I will rejoice over you with gladness. I will quiet you by my love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Can you hear him? God's singing over you. He says, you have been saved by my son. You are my possession. I've written my name in your hearts with the Holy Spirit, and you are mine. And he rejoices. Some of you are like, time out. I thought we came to this church to sing to God. We do most weeks for about 20, uh, 25 minutes, and then we go home. But you know what? God never stops. He sings over you all the time, declaring his love for you, offering his peace, offering you his hope. And you know why we sing over him? because he sings over us you know why we love him because he first loved us look at first john uh, chapter four we love because he first loved us can you hear him singing he, he does it in, in amazing ways i, I want to share with you the best way i hear god singing on a regular basis is through his word and i'm not going to do it in poem or even with music i'm going to just do it with the word but would you please stand And I would ask you to just to hear him singing these truths over you as we prepare to sing with him. The word of God says this, My hope does not disappoint, for you are my dearly loved children, because you have been given the Holy Spirit to fill your hearts with love. For my spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we belong to the Father. Look what it says in Ephesians 1. You were included with Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. He says we sing together until we're joined because we're his possession. Look what it says, to the praise of his glory. Today, I hope you hear him singing love you I love you I love you you're mine you're mine you're mine and as we sing with him it's to his praise and glory for what he's done through us in Jesus let's sing father in heaven I thank you for today lord if someone is here today and and they've realized this for the first time that they belong to you I pray that they would make that commitment that take that stand father if if someone feels trashy feels like their life's a mess I pray they would run to you in Let you sing over them with your love in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.